to the extent that it's helpful to you, I am grateful that you're here. And I pray that our time together today is gonna to be a time of blessing and encouragement and nourishment and endurance for you because man, 2020, what a year. And so part of what I wanna to do today is to look at God's word and help us through this time of, of unknown, right? The future feels very unknown right now. And so I want us to have um, kind of an encouragement and a renewed strength on this journey. So let me first tell you this, that I actually taught this sermon in December, end of December, at Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach. And when they asked me to teach, it was the last Sunday of the year, usually when the pastor takes a break because he's taught so many sermons on Sunday during Christmas. Usually that time is where they bring in a guest speaker. And I love doing it because it's a week of the year where normally I probably wouldn't be studying God's word or because I'm going to teach. I do. And the Lord gave me this very, very powerful message. I had no idea how this message was going to actually minister to me all year round. And so I felt that now being, it's already September, it would be a really good time for me to go back to this message and maybe now add the context of all that we've experienced over the past nine months and see just how the fact that I taught this back in December, just before this year got off the way it did, shows it's almost proof of the sermon itself. Sometimes, you know, I preach God's word and I know I'm teaching God's word and God's truth. And I believe that, that you know, what it's saying is, is true and edifying to all of us. But when a sermon is this specific without me even knowing it, I can only attribute it to God's sovereignty and his desire to encourage me and encourage you. And so I'm so grateful we get to talk about it today. Now, when, when I first taught this sermon, I was actually in my heart believing that 2020, right? This was the, the new decade, this very cool year, 2020, you know, what's going to happen, you know, and there's just an anticipation for 2020. We knew that this was going to be a year of elections and so that it was going to have its own political tensions, as we know, every four years we go through this. Gosh, now it feels like it's every year. But, um, that, but I knew there was some things to look forward to and anticipate some of it, perhaps good, some not. And I knew that people in the room were probably dealing with their own transitions, people who maybe are changing jobs or maybe going through a relational change or maybe a move or starting the Mariner's Church for the first time. And now as I look back, I see how this is about this idea of life in which we don't know the future and that freaks us all out. Do I hear an amen? Doesn't the fact that we don't know what's going to happen in the future constantly cause us to have this level of anxiety, perhaps? And even if we don't, if we're like one of those super positive people, even if we don't think that we're anxious or we're not saying we're anxious, there's, there's always this underlying like, gosh, I don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. Now, oftentimes that's accompanied with a great deal of excitement and joy because you're, you're looking forward to something. But when we really think about it, we have no clue. An hour from now, things could be very different than they are right now. And that makes me feel quite vulnerable. Does that make you feel vulnerable? And more so this year, right, than ever. So my goal for today is to look at God's word and give us two very powerful truths to walk away with. And just in case you get sleepy or you get tired or you get distracted because we are on Zoom and it's hard to keep focus on Zoom, I'm going to give you the answer to the question right at the beginning right? How do we endure through these seasons? How do we deal with the unknown, the future that is unknown? How do we have peace in our hearts? That's the answer, the question that I'm looking to answer for us today. And here's the answer. And then I'm going to unpack that throughout the sermon. Two points. One, we have a God that does not change. He doesn't change. And he goes before us and he goes with us. And that God, point two, knows us. So when we point ourselves to God, he reminds us who we are. And then remembering who God is and remembering who we are is what helps us with this anxiety or worry about our future. Okay, so that's my two points today. Remembering who God is and remembering who we are. That's how we get through this unknown season and how we find hope for the future, despite the fact that we don't know what's coming ahead. That's what I'm going to unpack today, and I'm going to do that reading from Deuteronomy 31. So if you pulled, brought your Bible for this, this is awesome, uh, because actually, if you have a highlighter or a pencil, I want you to notice something about this chapter, 
three times this truth that we just talked about is said for us, maybe not in the same words I use, but essentially in the same way. And so we're going to read from Deuteronomy 31, and this is the time when Moses commissions Joshua to be the next leader of the people of Israel. Now, let me give you some background. Uh, Moses was leading the people of Israel. He was the one God chose to lead them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they got to go through a wilderness to get to the promised land that God had for them. Well, they got disobedient along the way, so they got stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. Mo Moses led God's people the entire time. Finally, they are before the promised land. It's time for them to enter the promised land. But Moses is told by God, you're not going in with the people. We're going to send Joshua with God's people. So Moses passes the leadership to Joshua to lead God's people into the promised land. And this passage, this whole chapter is essentially Joshua taking Moses's place. A lot of times this part of scripture is taught as a leadership lesson, how to lead others. I want to remind us of this passage from the humanity of Moses. Just, just a man, ordinary person, you know, like you and I. Moses was truly an ordinary person who obviously got to live an extraordinary story with God, which I believe is something God wants to do with every one of us. So Moses is no different than us. And he had an experience that you and I could have as well. Maybe not the circumstances being the same, but this experience with the way God leads us with the unknown. And so as God leads Moses to commission Joshua to go forward, he says three times in this chapter, these powerful truths. I'm going to first read it from verse eight, and then I'll point back to you the other places where this passage is found. So in verse eight, it says this. He says, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. That's verse eight. But if you go back to verse six, it says this, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid with them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Now go forward to verse 23. The Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I swore to them, and I will be with you. Three times, the Lord is telling Joshua and God's people, I will be with you. I won't leave you. I won't abandon you. I'm going to go with you. In fact, I'm actually the one that goes before you. All right. So the first thing that I want us to hold on to is this idea that God is the one who is with us, that he goes with us, that he goes ahead of us, and he never changes. He's the same, same God to Moses, to Joshua, to the people of Israel, thousands of years ago than he is to you and I today. He doesn't change. And so much in our lives change, changes all the time. Moses went through a great deal of change throughout his time in this journey. He has three sets of 40s in his life. He went through multiple transitions. First, his 40 years, he was, he was raised in Pharaoh's home in this lap of luxury, uh, eating the best of foods, sleeping in the best bed in the castle, having the best clothes, linens, you name it. He had a great life. And then he had, he had a, essentially a fall where he took the life of someone else. He thought he was trying to help his people. And rather, instead, he took a life and they turned on him. So Moses runs away. And now he spends 40 years in the desert. And while he's in a desert, he is ashamed of what he did. And then God calls him another 40 years later, right? God calls him to go and free his people, go back to Egypt and now do it, save the people of Israel, but do it with God, not by himself. The first time he tried to save the people of Israel, he did it with his own hands. He tried to save one person from being uh, treated badly. But now God says, no, I'm going to help you. I'm going to use you to help everyone, but you're going to do it my way. I'm going to go with you. And then he spends 40 years in the desert with the people of Israel. And he now comes into the promised land, now being about 120 years old. And now he is, um, is, is about to, the people are about to enter the promised land, a new transition for Moses, giving his leadership to someone else. So that means Moses has gone through a lot of change in his life. He's gone through some very difficult, difficult situation. And so when Moses writes these words for us, do not be afraid or discouraged. 
It is the Lord who will be with you and will go before you. He doesn't leave you or abandon you. We want to remember that truth. He does not change. So how, how does Moses hold on to this in his time of transition? This is what I want for us today. And I know my computer is making all kinds of noises. I'm trying to tell it to be quiet. We'll figure that out in a little bit, but sorry about that. But how does Moses hold on to this truth in his times of transitions? Because that's what I want to do. So first of all, when it says, the Lord is the one who goes before you, Moses is essentially declaring who God is. If you look at your Bible, if you have one before you, if you don't have one, go back and look at it later. Or if you're looking at it in the computer, you will notice that the Lord, this is verse eight I'm looking at, or you can do it in all of them, is all capitalized, L-O-R-D. That is actually a representation of the actual name of God. When Moses was sent to the people of, to Egypt to rescue God's people, he said to God, who do I say has sent me? And God gives him this name. Now, it's a, it's a four-letter Hebrew word that doesn't, it's actually most people don't really know how to pronounce it, but the best that historians and theologians have come up with is Yahweh. And that's actually God's proper name. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. He's actually stating who is a, a fact. This is who I am. That's my name. I'm not like any other God. I don't need a name. I am the God. And so the fact that Moses begins this statement by remembering that there is one God, one God, creator of all, the sovereign one, so relational that he even gives us his name. So there's an intimacy related to a name. That's the beginning for Moses of relying on God and leaning into God for his time of transition. So you and I can remember we have a, we have a God that is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and that God is relational with us. So in our circumstance, we are not alone. We are not, you know, sometimes we can feel very alone, right, in our time of transition, but we're not alone, ever, 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 ever. He is close to us all the time. So that's the, the first thing that I see Moses doing. The second thing that we see Moses doing is that he, he says, he is the one that will go before you. In other words, I know you're in your mind, you're thinking of all kinds of things that are going to happen in the future, but realize that in the future is already somewhat obviously known by God. Now, we don't understand how, how this is, right? Because you and I don't know the future. So as much as I can tell you, God knows the future. Don't ask me to explain how that's possible, right? Because that in itself tells us how different God is than you and I, because we, we don't know the future. But it says he's the one who goes before you. He is going ahead of you with whatever the situation is. And the way I, best way I can think about it is I'm kind of this old. I won't say my age. <laughs> and I was talking to my grandchildren, uh, Benjamin and Will. They're seven and five years old, almost six. And yesterday we're sitting out having a little lunch and we're talking about how much you learn over a lifetime and how you can actually share that with other people. So I was telling Benjamin, Benjamin, you're seven years old. Do you know more than your brother who is five years old? He goes, I think so. I said, so what do you know that he hasn't learned yet? So he talked about math, like he can do math now, a little bit of math that his brother can't do yet. I said, as you grow older, you're gonna learn some more stuff. So in a way you can start telling your brother the kinds of things he's going to learn in the future, the kinds of experiences he might have. Now, Benjamin is not God. He doesn't know the future perfectly, clearly, no more than I do. Grandma, who's much, much older, I still don't know all a bunch of things, but God knows the future. He knows how things will work out, and he is there before we get there, right? And so Moses is remembering that truth. That is so important for us to remember when we're going through a time of transition. Because transitions have a way of changing us, whether we know it or not. And one of the ways they can change us is that it can make us lose sight of who God is. And it keep us from actually trusting him with what is most precious to us, which is our time, our existence, our life, our future. And so um, that's the one, the second thing I want us to know. One, one more point that I want to make on that is that, all of us can go through this time of transition 
kicking and screaming and scared and anxious and worried. I, I had someone email me the other day saying, my kids are about to start school. I am so anxious. I, you know, they're going to do online and they're really worried about us. Like, what do I do to calm myself? I don't even know how to calm myself. Right? Sometimes we can go through transitions and change in a year like 2020 with a great deal of anxiety. Or we can try to look at what God might be doing in the midst of it. Remembering who God is, remembering that he's with us and he knows the future, that he's actually working in our present, in our unknown circumstances, in the situation that we're currently in. He's already working. And if we look for that and we look back at how he has helped us, then we actually can have and find peace for tomorrow. So one an example I gave her, I said, look, as much as we want to make our children have a stress-free life, we can't. Right now, I know a lot of parents are very, very nervous about their children and all the effects that the COVID situation has had on them. Their social interaction, their learning, which many of the kids, man, they haven't studied for months now, right? And they're getting behind. And so I said, it's hard. We as parents want to remove all pain from our children. And we may not be able to. But even if we did, if we tried, if we gave them a pain-free life, I don't think they would be as strong or as well-nourished as if they went through some struggle, but they walked with you as a parent. They had with you by them. So they can make sense of what they're dealing with along the way. They can, they can actually grow during that difficult experience. And so I think that's what God does with us. Yes, we can beg God to give us a life of no pain, no sorrow, no struggle, like make COVID go away tomorrow, make our financial problems go away, our relational problems go away. And believe me, I do believe God can do that. We can pray for that. But while that's perhaps not being answered, as we might say, God is with us and he's nourishing us and he's teaching us and he's growing us even in the middle of it. That perhaps we will look back and say, that was the most precious thing I got out of that experience. And maybe in a crazy way, might even say, wow, I'm glad I went through that because I would have never known this had I not gone through that experience. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I was in a Al-Anon meeting. And at that meeting, uh, people, was, they go around. Al-Anon is for people who have a loved one who's going through an addiction. And at that time, my son was struggling with drug addiction. So I went to get some support. People are going around the circle saying this, my name is Susie. I'm the grateful wife of my husband who's an addict. My name is John. I'm grateful. I'm the grateful husband of, of you know, Mary who's an addict. Or They're just going around. They're, they're grateful. They're grateful people because they have a loved one who is an addict. And I'm sitting there going, not me. No, no, I'm not saying that. You guys, you're all crazy. I am not grateful. I'm very upset I'm here right now. I don't, I don't need to be here. I've never used drugs. I don't understand this. It's like, I want out. It's like, you guys are crazy for saying that. I can tell you now, because I stayed at the meetings. I did not get out. After all, those, all the meetings that I went to and all that I learned, I can say now with confidence, especially because my son has been clean for many, many years and he's doing great but also because I learned the most important things during that season that I don't think I would have learned any other way, any other way, uh, maybe, but no. <laughs> the first thing I had to learn is to not be so judgmental towards those who struggle with addiction because I, I thought I had conquered it, why can't they? And I had to learn to humble myself because I have my own issues. But at the time I didn't see that, I had to learn that. That experience as hard as it was helped me grow. So as hard as 2020 has been for us, maybe it has been for you, and I am not saying this because I don't think it matters that it's hard. It does matter. I think we can find space to remember that God is with us, and when he is with us, he's at work. He's doing something. He's not just standing around us. He's trying to encourage us and strengthen us and equip us and guide us. And he's working things out so that we would become more like his son, which is for our good. It's good for us to become like Jesus. So, so that in itself, it's, it's a peace that we cannot get anywhere else. It's what allows us to like wake up in the morning and not know what the day is like and still have a sense of peace in our heart that maybe we can't even explain. We cannot explain. Sometimes that peace is, is difficult to explain to someone else, right? 
So the first point was, remember who God is. He does not change. I'll give you a couple passages in case you ever have to like remind yourself of this that are really good. Uh, Numbers 23, verse 19, jot that down, where scripture tells us, it says, God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? The obvious answer is no. God does not lie. And what he says happens and what he promises, he fulfills. That's who he is. It's a wonderful passage to go back to if you need it. Um, Malachi 3.6, where God himself says, I do not change. Important for us to go back to that when we need it. In James 1.17, another really good one, James tells us the same thing. God does not change like the shifting shadows. He does not change. We just have to remember that. He is absolutely, by his very nature, he cannot change. Right? Uh, he is faithful in all that he does. He always acts upon his nature. And since he is faithful and loving and pure and holy and perfect and good, he always acts out of that truth. And therefore, when he's with us, he's always bringing his faithfulness, his goodness, his power, his might, his wisdom, his love, his mercy. All of that is with us all the time. Do I hear now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It's really hard to do this in a room by myself, guys. <laughs> If I were in church, I'd be like, let's clap for a minute. That's a really good thing for us to remember. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Gail. Thank you. All right. All right. I feel better. I feel better because I got all charged up there for a minute. Let's remember who God is. And let's remember that he is always with us. He's always the same. He never changes. Now, that being said, once we recognize who God is, that he's with us, that he goes before us, then we remember who we are. I think when we get anxious is because we even forget who we are. We forget who God is, but we also forget who we are. And here's the thing, if we feel alone and stressed out, then we think everything is in our hands, right? I think of my friend who texted me about her son going to school. She felt like she was the end all. If she did not figure out how to help her son, her son was gonna have a terrible time in school. And chances are her son might struggle. I'm not saying he won't. But the point is, mom can't solve everything. Somehow she forgot that she's limited in her ability to really even affect what her son can experience, whether he's sitting right next to her or in the classroom in, in school. There's a point at which we end. There's a limit to our ability to affect the future or even control our current circumstances. Therefore, we're dependent on the one who does not have that limitation. So when we forget that we have that limitation, we get stressed out because we think we have to solve everything by ourselves. And we try to solve it in our own little cocoon and that loneliness and isolation can get it very, very overwhelming. Do you ever have those dreams where you're, you're kind of asleep, but you're also awake and you find yourself solving the same problem over and over and over again, like trying to open a door and the door won't work or like, this is one I dreamt a lot. I'm going to go preach, but I didn't prepare my sermon. So I'm trying to prepare my sermon on my walk up the steps. I always picture the chapel because I taught there for a long time. Picture myself walking up the six steps of the chapel to the main stage, writing a sermon because I didn't write a sermon in time. And that dream just goes on and on and on over and over and over and over again because I, I never get the sermon figured out. And that's so stressful. Maybe the only one who dreams like that, maybe that's my neurosis. But <laughs> that being said, sometimes we, this is what we do when we're awake. We try to solve our problem over and over and over and over again on our own. We forget who we are. The Word of God tells us that we have a loving shepherd who wants to guide us. In fact, Jesus himself said, my sheep hear my voice. And he, as a shepherd speaking, uh, dealing with his sheep, he was giving us this incredible picture that obviously us here in the U.S. don't have an idea of unless you have sheep in your backyard. But this beautiful picture of the care that a shepherd has for a sheep and the guidance that a sheep um, receives from the shepherd to the point where the sheep, animals that are dumb as could be, I mean, scientifically proven, they are just plain dumb, but they can recognize the voice of the shepherd. They recognize the voice. They know who they are. They know they need that shepherd. And that's who we need to be. We need to be like those sheep that are leaning in to hear the voice of our shepherd who guides us in all of our struggle and who tells us 
who we are, who reminds us who we are. When Jesus came, this is one of the most beautiful things that we celebrate at Christmas, that God didn't stay distant, but he came close in the person of Jesus Christ. He walked along earth like we do, have a body like we do, and he died and was resurrected to give us life again. But when he left to go back with the Father, he sent us the Holy Spirit. So today we have that same God speaking into our hearts, remembering, reminding us who we are. Paul writes to us that the Spirit tells us we are children of God. We're his precious ones. The same words that Jesus says, I am the shepherd, the sheep hear my voice. That's the Spirit tells us the same thing. I will guide you. In fact, he's called the counselor, the helper, the advocate. Is always testifying to our spirit of who we are. So to remember who we are. How do we do that? We have to be in God's word. I remember when I, um, when I preached this in Huntington Beach, I told people, you know, it's the end of the year, and usually people try to make New Year's resolutions for the beginning of the year. And one of them that we do at church all the time is we commit to reading the Bible from the beginning of the year through. So I, I decided to add to that sermon, look, let's be in God's Word. For 2020, let's be sure that we are reading God's Word on a regular basis. That's how we learn to recognize the voice of God, right? Because we see how he speaks to his people, how he speaks to us. And because the word of God is alive and active, he actually speaks to our spirit as we read it. So I told people, be in God's word as much as you can, a little bit at a time. It doesn't matter. You know, most of us own a whole bunch of Bibles, have them in our shelf somewhere. How many of us actually read them, right? I mean, I, you know, we may read one, maybe once in a while. It's like, let's just go and read, read the words. But if we continue to read God's word, we get to hear God's voice and learn to experience his truth into our hearts. So that when we are going through a struggle, when we're dealing with the most difficult, difficult season of our lives, the word of God can remind us who we are. When we're overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed, when I get overwhelmed, I go to the Psalms. So many times the psalmist says words there about emotions that I'm feeling, but I don't have words for. And it gives me words to say when I'm struggling. Sometimes my heart is full and I want to worship and praise the Lord, but I don't have the words for that. I don't know how even to worship God. The Psalms help me learn how to worship God. I find the words to say to God about God. Even sometimes the words that God says about himself, I now have language to praise him. I also have language to talk about my pain. And so that's one way I use the Bible. The other way is, oh, I, I mark this on my Bible. It's, it's my go-to when I forget who I am and who I belong to. And that's Ephesians chapter 1. And Ephesians chapter uh, 1, the very first part of Ephesians chapter 1, is Paul basically declaring who we are in Christ. And he, most people say this is one sentence in the Greek with no periods, but there were no actual um, but it's periods and comments in the Greek. So the reality is who knows if it was one sentence, but it sure reads like a one sentence because it's like a rambling thought because he's just throwing all of these statements about who we are in Christ. So for example, he tells us this, and I go to Ephesians 1 anytime I feel bad about myself. Anytime I hear thoughts in my head that are very negative, this is where I go to get strengthened. He tells us that we are blessed that we are chosen, that we are holy and blameless, that we are adopted, that we are redeemed and forgiven, that we're given wisdom and understanding, that we're received an inheritance, that we are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, that we are given a hope of his calling. I mean, that's just a few. I'm just reading very quickly through Ephesians chapter one. If you take your time and read it slowly and you get to absorb the way that Paul unpacks who we are in Christ, who we are to God, that changes how we go about whatever struggle we deal with. Now, I'm getting a question here from someone. Let me, let me look at it real quick so that I can respond because we're going to have a discussion at the end of this, but I don't want you to be waiting a long time and like, I got this question. Let's see if it fits into what we're talking right now. Okay. Okay. Wouldn't it be good news that God can't always heal someone who's dying because if he could and didn't, it causes more grief and confusion about his supposed sovereignty. Okay, so I am going to leave that one to the end because it's, it's not, I'm going to want to derail our teaching, but I'm going to leave that to the end. I'm going to answer it. Good question. Very, very good question. 
hold on tight. We're going to go back to that in a little bit. Um, I think it'll fit once we get everything in. So once again, remember who God is. Remember who you are. And that's how we go towards our future with a sense of hope and peace in our hearts. And we don't get overwhelmed by the unknown of the future. We remind ourselves, now this is in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are God's masterpiece, God's masterpiece, created, created by God. Oh my goodness, this fall I'm going to teach uh, at Mariners a class, a deep dive series called On the Image of God. And I've been studying what does it mean for us to be created in the image of God, created as masterpieces. Blowing my mind. Blowing my mind. When we remember who we are, whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're dealing with, I'm telling you, it falls to the wayside. Not doesn't disappear. It doesn't become 100% less painful. But it definitely doesn't have the same sting and the same power to take our hope away the way so many times our circumstances can, right? Have you ever had one of those days where you're like, can another thing go wrong? Okay, I'll give you a quick, just because we need a little humor for a second here. This, this morning, I took my car in to get fixed. My keys will not turn on my car because, you know, cars are so fancy now. These keys don't have a place to plug them in. They have a battery. The battery eventually dies, and you can't change the battery. You have to go to the dealer to change the battery. I was lazy. I didn't do that for a while, so finally my car can't start at all. But I fought it and fought it, got the car going, got it to the dealer, dropped it off, and thankfully I'm using one of our, our other car, my husband's car. The air conditioning in that car doesn't work. You know how hot it is outside right now? Not so good. So I arranged to get that car turned in, get a rental. I get a rental, I drive away from the rental car place, and the, the seat, the back of the seat doesn't lean, doesn't change. It's sort of stuck in the position and I'm messing with the manual because it's one of those really basic cars and, and I'm messing with the manual. It doesn't work, doesn't work. And after a few blocks, I had to call the gal. It's like, what is wrong with this car? And she's like, well, actually this is a European car. It doesn't work the way the American cars work. There's a little wheel at the top here and you turn it and that's what actually makes the seat go up and down. Solve that problem. I get home on my rental car. Well, I don't have keys to my house because all that is in my cars. I have no way to get into the house. So now I'm struggling how to get into the house. Well, oh, that's right. We do have a lockbox way back there because at one time we had to leave the house. There was a key in it. I found it. So lucky. I go put it in the door. The key gets stuck and then it wouldn't come off the door. Okay. I know that's a very simple, silly example. That was my story today, this morning. Oh, and then I went to prepare for this and our internet, Cox internet in my neighborhood is down. So I'm actually filming somewhere else right now because I had to pick up all my equipment and drive my rental car, which I now have fixed the seat. And now I'm teaching this from someplace else. That's life. Did I know my day was going to be like that? Not a chance. I thought I had a really nice, clear calendar to do all kinds of stuff, including this great time together with you. And I know that is a softball compared to the pain that some people are suffering. Maybe you. You might be dealing with some really, really hard things right now, and my silly story about cars doesn't even compare. But my point is not to compare our struggle, but to really say, hey, sometimes life can get really, really hard and challenging, and we have to remember who God is, and we have to remember who we are, or we will be hopeless. We will get overwhelmed. We'll be so worried we get worn out, and we'll want to give up. There's a little part of me that wanted to give up today once the key wouldn't come off the door, I have to admit. You know, and then when the internet went down, I was so frustrated, and that was not even a big thing. You know, a big thing comes, and it really does a number on us. It wipes us out. So today, my reminder for us, once again, is remember that the Lord your God is the one that goes before you, and he goes with you, and he never leaves you or abandons you. He will never, ever leave you or abandon you. And he tells you who you are. You are his child, blessed, blessed child, adored, loved beyond measure, a love that can never separate you from him. That's who you are. And as hard as the circumstances that you're dealing with today, and as difficult it is to understand how things will work out, know this, that you're not alone, that you have God with you every second of the day. So when things get hard, you can take a deep breath. 
go to God's word. Reach out to a friend, like my friend, she called me and said, hey, could you help me? I need some hope right now. I reminded her who God was, God is. I reminded her who she is. Together we prayed and she went forward. You know, she sent me this beautiful text back later saying that really helped me. And chances are a couple hours later, maybe anxiety came back and she had to do it all over again. That's the nature of life, right? But we, all, we know where we can go. It's like, we know where we can get that, that place where we can get nourished again and again. It's that well that never ends and never leaves. We can go to it as often as we need to, and it's never bad for us. Never. Like Paul says, pray continually. It's okay. Pray every second if you have to. Le reach out to God every time. It's now September since I taught, you know, it was December, nine months later that I taught this sermon. And I'm just amazed how God knew this was going to be a tough year for so many of us. I didn't know that I was going to be teaching this way. You know, I remember when I taught the sermon, I said, hey, I don't know what my, I'm in a transition myself. I just left the chapel. I don't know what my future will hold. I don't even know if I'm going to get to teach. And here I am teaching. So in a very interesting way. So I'm so glad that you're with me. Uh, you encourage me. And I hope that this time being God's word has encouraged you. And, um, let me, let me close in prayer, and then we'll have a discussion. And I want to answer this first question, which is excellent. And then we'll, we'll answer some of the other questions that you may have. So while I pray, think about what you might be needing uh, prayer for as well, so that the Lord will hear your prayers and mine at the same time. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time, for the truth that we got to hear from your word. Hmm. What a sense of peace in our hearts. This, this time together, Lord, is already encouraging me, and I hope it's encouraging my brothers and sisters. Lord, I don't know what they're dealing with, but you do. And so, Father, whatever their day has been like, uh, whatever situation they're dealing with, would you help them, Lord, today with just this, your presence. May it be really deeply felt in their soul. Jesus, you said that the peace that you give us, we cannot get in this world, and it's a peace that is actually confounding to the world. It's a peace beyond our understanding. So Lord, we, we seek that peace and we thank you for that peace. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, so let me start with the question that was asked. Wouldn't it be good news that God can't always heal someone who's dying? Because if it, he could and didn't, it causes more grief and confusion about his supposed sovereignty. Okay, I, I, the way I would answer that, and I, I, I go through this when I pray. I wonder if you do too. I will pray to the Lord, and, and for example, I had a, a dear, dear friend who uh, died of breast cancer. Her breast cancer went into her lungs, and oh my goodness, I prayed for her, 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 and, and she got better for a little while, and then she didn't get well, and she passed away. And then I was asked to do her memorial. And I remember feeling this terrible pain in my heart. God, I know you can. I know you have the power. You're sovereign. You created this world. You created that body. You, you know how to solve the issues. The doctors and all the people here are so limited in their understanding of the complexity of the body. But you chose not to. Or for whatever reason, like, like maybe the actor here is saying you couldn't, I, you know, because your bigger plan somehow is, is affected by these decisions. I don't know how that works out. I don't understand God. I remember having that kind of prayer with the Lord. Um, so to one extent, I agree. I think that if, we, if God just answered every one of our prayers, like Bruce Almighty, you remember that movie, Bruce Almighty? Like everything was yes. It was like, that's going to be the easiest thing. I'll just say yes to everything because I can well, that doesn't really solve things. Just like no different than my friend who was like, I, I just want to take the pain away from my child as they're going through the school experience. And I, and I was thinking, well, how do you know that's the best thing? Maybe that experience is going to grow your son or daughter into a stronger person. You know, how do we know what's best? God knows what's best. So, yeah, to some extent, I don't know that can't, God can't. I don't know that. I don't know where God chooses to limit his his sovereignty per se, if he does. Some people say he does. I, he's God. I, I'm not going to venture to know what he does with his power. But it's pretty obvious that he doesn't heal everybody. 
it's pretty obvious even in scripture that many people were healed by Jesus, but there were a lot of other people who never even got to him, right? You look at the, the story of the, uh, the man who was disabled, who was brought down through the roof to Jesus to heal. That house was packed to the brim. Not even the entrance was available to anyone. Do you think there were people out there trying to get in who wanted to be healed, who didn't get in? Maybe that guy did, but the other people maybe didn't get in. I, you know, it doesn't say every single person in the New Testament got healed. And when Jesus went to heaven, everyone else, everyone had a perfect body. You know, that didn't happen. So somehow God knows something we don't. And you're right. If, if it was happening every time, we would start commanding God. I know I would. Anybody else with me? If I knew that everything I pray for, God would say yes to, I'd be the most bossy pants on earth. I'd be like, God, fix this now. God, fix that now. God, you know, my hair's turning gray. I don't like it. Would you make it back to the color I when I was born? I mean, it would get that silly. Everything from save that person's life to give me that parking spot. You know, we, we, we will get that demanding with God. And so thank goodness that God knows something we don't know. We don't need to hear yes every time. Now, does it hurt when it's someone's life that we're talking about? Oh, yes. And it hurt my heart when my friend passed away so much. And I watched her husband really struggle with loneliness for quite a while. Um, but I believe God is good. And somehow in the bigger picture, there's something I don't know. You know. And so again, I go back to the, the lesson of today. Remember the God, who God is, that he's with me, he is with my friend, and that he reminds us who we are. We are his beloved children. We will be with eternity with him. And this life is but a season, just that time. And whatever we suffer here is going to seem so tiny compared to eternity that I just have to trust that somehow in God's sovereignty, he knows what he's doing, and I don't. Hope that helps. Hope that helps. Okay. All right. That was a big answer to a short question. <laughs> Jump right in, guys. Type in on the chat a question that you have. I, this is my favorite part. This is something I never get to do when I was teaching at the chapel. So actually, people would say, that was a great sermon. I don't want to hear that. I want to know, like, what actually touched you? What question do you have? What did you hear God saying to you? What are you dealing with? Whatever random question you have, jump right in. Thank you, Tanya. Okay. If he's always with us, how do we know if we are following God's will for us, if we were doing our, our own thing? Great question. In fact, let's see, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. As you know, well, some of you might know this. The way I'm doing my ministry now is that one week of the month I teach. Like this is my teaching week. One week I do a small group discussion. One week I answer questions, and then one week we run an interview. Where I interview someone that I think you guys might find interesting to learn from. So in my next small group discussion, um, which I think it's coming up next week, it might be, um, in my next small group discussion, you'll see it come out because we try to sh share that in social media through our emails. I'm actually going to talk about that. Like, how do we know? It's, are we following God's will or is it our will? And how do those two things fit? So I'm going to go deeper into that in our small group. But let me answer briefly this question at the moment. If, if God is with us, are we following God's will or doing our own thing? Um, sometimes it's easy to tell because if we're doing anything that's contrary to the Bible, anything that sort of clearly has been stated as the Bible is something we should not do. Like, for example, hate our enemies, right? Jesus said, love your enemies. Okay, right then and there, if we're hating our enemy, instead of finding a way to show them some level of grace, not, not accept abuse, but show them some level of grace and at least not try to judge them, already we know we're not doing what God wants for us, right? If we know we're lying or we're stealing, that's very easy to know we're not in God's will. But when we're doing a good thing and we're wondering, is this good thing the thing you want, God, or is there something better you want me to be doing right now with my time? And that gets a little harder, doesn't it? Between two good things. Do I, do I go help Susie over there who really needs me because she's going through a divorce? Or do I go and, um, I don't know, uh, write the book that God put in my heart, which is going to help thousands of people, right? I mean, sometimes we have two really good things, and we got to decide what does God want us to do? And I think for that, I think two things. One is God empowers us with the ability to make our own decision. So in our hearts, we, can, we actually have reason. God gave us a mind and a will to make our own decisions, provided they're being consistent with his good will, his goodness. 
I think he gives us freedom to make decisions. And if we made either one of those two decisions, I think God's not going to judge us because he loves that we do good things because he does good things. So that's one. You've been empowered to make good decisions. And if you're between two, do the best you can to choose between the two. Obviously in prayer, asking others to help you with a decision. You can always ask a friend who's a believer, hey, what do you think? I've got these two things. Where do you think from you? You know me, you know my heart. Where do you think I should put my energy and time? What do you think God would be most pleased with? Because I think in the question, I hear your heart and desire to please the Lord and do what he wants you to do. And so maybe ask someone to help you discern that. Um, and then ultimately start, because sometimes I find when I go at something, if it's not something God wants me to do, I'll, 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 I'll figure it out pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, God makes it known to me. Hey, you went the wrong way. Let's go back over here. This is where I want you to go. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Sometimes we just have to take that first step or two or three steps. And that discernment process continues to help us decide if we've taken the right decision. Are we really doing something God wants us to do? Are we doing our own thing? You know what's really cool about God? Sometimes even if we do do our own thing, he goes with us there. He goes, oh, okay, I guess we're going that way now. All right, let's go that way because he goes with us. We're the ones who leave him. He never leaves us, right? He's like, all right, we're going down this alley. All right, I'm going to teach you some new things there too. He's just, he goes with us. So we're never alone. I love that. Okay, Tanya, I hope that helped. Okay, great guys, you guys are giving me questions. I love it. Let me go back. I have to scroll back to the questions, all right? All right. We love prayer. My son and grandson have moved in with me. Whew, and it's been a month. I'm already jumping up the roof. Nancy, I <laughs> totally get it, girl. I totally get it. It's, you know, we love our children. We love our children, right? We want them to feel like, you know, and we love it when they love us. And when they want to be around us and they count on us, it feels so good. But then, <laughs> so yes. Hey guys, let's pray for Nancy real quick. Hey, Lord, we're so grateful that Nancy's with us today. And um, I don't know if anybody else is dealing with this right now, but COVID has brought people together that probably weren't planning to be together <laughs> much. Uh, or maybe people who like to be together, but after a while, it's not so good. You know, my husband always says, Fish and company starts to stink after three days. Anyway, we need your help. And we're lifting up Nancy um, to you um, during this time, Lord, that you would give her maybe perhaps an insight to this season between her and her son. That there might be a, an experience that they're going to have together that they wouldn't have any other way. I, I know that's happening with me and my grandchildren. And I'm babysitting them a lot more right now. And at first it felt like a huge interruption. Now I feel like, wow, am I having conversations with them? Perhaps I couldn't have another time. So, Lord, if there's such a thing, would you help her find those times? But when she gets weary, and she will, and she already is, it sounds like, would you give her endurance and strength? Would you give her um, a joy in her heart and a, and a patience, God? Um, maybe to look the other way when it's really messy or when it gets noisy or when things don't happen the way that she likes. Would you just give, help her with that, God? We thank you that you hear our prayer and you comfort us when we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank amen. you, Agnes. Thank you, everybody. Absolutely. That's good, Nancy. Great, great. That's it's a good example. Sometimes, man, we just need to have someone to pray us, pray for us. All right. You'll need prayer tomorrow again, I bet you, when the next thing happens. <laughs> six weeks. Six, six more weeks. Oh, yeah. See? Weekly prayer for Nancy, everyone. Put it on your notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you think our decisions affects his decisions in a moment? Yes, I think of Moses who actually reasoned with God and God changed his mind. Isn't that remarkable? Not that God changed, but God actually hears our prayers and, and considers us. I, that blows my mind. I mean, that's the best thing I can say about that. Now, I don't know to what extent it, it happens, at least sometimes it feels like that our decisions affect. I know for myself, to give you this example, which blows my mind as well. I grew up, my grandmother prayed for me that I would be a woman who would be dedicated to the Lord. That in, in, in her mind, I was going to be a nun. She named me Ines Socorro. Ines is the name 
standing for purity in Socorro is another name for the Virgin Mary. I was supposed to be a nun in her mind, and she prayed for me for 40 years that I would become a nun, and I was as far from a nun as you can get. <laughs> terrible nun, terrible nun, terrible Catholic. And I don't know, did God put that in her heart, you know, to pray for me that way? And doesn't it blow your mind? It blows my mind that here I am teaching God's word, and yeah, my life is dedicated to serving the Lord now. No, I'm not a nun, not that way. And certainly I'm not pure. I have a long way to go for that. Thank you, Jesus, for working on me. But I think my grandma is in heaven probably pretty happy. And so did I kind of mess up God's plan there for a while? If he had this plan in my life, probably. And he kind of, like I said, I went down an alley and he said, okay, we're going down the alley. We're going to go that way. Let's see what happens. There's a, there's a level of, I don't know, adventure that God seems to be willing to go on with us, I think. Sometimes we think God has it all perfectly figured out and he's in control. That would make him a control freak. I think there's a part of God that wants to be on this adventure with us. That's the best I can describe that. Hope that helps. Okay, Gail. No questions. Oh, Gail, thanks for being here. Just, just miss hearing you in the chapel. And thank you, Nancy, for letting Gail know to be here. This is awesome. That's so good. So Hi, Gail. Good. <laughs> so good. All right. Any other questions? Wendy. Hi, Paul. <laughs> I know all these friends. I love it. Hey, okay. So let me, let me close this time with this. This video will, it's already live on YouTube. It's playing live on YouTube. So just know that for those who don't get the link, the Zoom link, you can always let them know, go to the Inez Franklin official. That's what it's called. Inez Franklin official YouTube channel. And they can be watching it online. They're not in the Zoom, so they can't ask questions like you can, but they can watch it live. And then it stays there for us to go back and watch it or share it with anyone else. So I, I invite you, if, if this was encouraging to you, to please share it with others. I could use some YouTube subscribers because once it hits a certain number of subscribers, I can change the URL so it's easier for people to find that YouTube channel. Right now, you actually have to know the name of it. But later, if I can fix it to just people typing as Franklin and it pops right up, that would be nice. But I need more followers to do that, more subscribers to do that. So if there's, this is one way you can volunteer for my ministry. <laughs> Very good ask, to know. Ask a couple of friends, hey, could you just subscribe to that thing? Because she needs some, some followers. <laughs> that would be awesome. If, if everybody gets a couple people to subscribe to it, we, we actually might actually get somewhere with this. Um, so that would be awesome. And um, anything I can pray for you, please know I am so excited that technology allows us to be in community together, to be in God's word, to, to grow and pray for one another. Please feel free to send me a, an email, uh, a message through social media, direct message. Uh, some of you have my number. You can send me a text. Let's walk together. We might not be in the same room, but we are brothers and sisters forever. And um, I'm excited to do this journey with you. So thank you. Thank you so much for being with me today. And God bless you.